As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep. It's a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation to their reserve collection, CBD gummies with 5 milligrams of THC. The Reserve Collection is a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, rich and bold, the Reserve Collection product solicits strong feelings of calm, comfort, and relief when intense support is needed. Enjoy a deeper CBD experience with Plus CBD's Reserve Collection of oils, soft gels, and gummies. All of their products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code HOFFMAN30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new Reserve Collection Gummies. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today we're going to talk about uh, something that is very, very concerning. Uh, which is threats to the environment and specifically something called PFAS. We're going to talk about what that is. Uh, I am president of the Alliance for Natural Health. Uh, I'm going to be talking to the executive director of the Alliance for Natural Health. He's Rob Kirk. Uh, he's over there in the UK. He's also uh, president of ANH International. Uh, and together we're collaborating on a very exciting project to expose the dangers of these forever chemicals. Rob, it's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks for joining us. Ron, fantastic to be with you. And Rob is a frequent contributor here on Intelligent Medicine because he is one of those uh, point-and-shoot experts on a wide variety of topics related to the environment, uh, related to uh, supplementation, uh, and he has an international perspective on that, which is welcome because uh, we in the United States are laggards when it comes to regulation of toxic environmental chemicals. So, uh, Rob, it's very exciting because uh, we're a small organization, the Alliance for Natural Health. Actually, we have... Uh, millions of uh, followers uh, in the lay public, uh, but, you know, we're not the FDA, uh, we're not the EPA, uh, we're not the uh, EU agency on whatever uh, regulatory agency on toxic chemicals. Uh, we are a small nonprofit organization uh, who seeks to advance the cause of environmental safety uh, and freedom of choice in medicine. And we are engaged in a project, a very exciting project, that recently has created quite a splash. Uh, you just sent me links to uh, The Guardian, uh, The New York Post. Uh, a lot of major publications are picking up on our work. Tell us about that. Well, you know, what, what does one do? We have, we have emerging evidence of what appears to be the chemical contamination issue of our era. And guess what? The DuPont, the three M's of this world have kept it secret from the public eyes and ears for the last 50 years. They knew exactly what they're doing. This, we got to remember that what we're looking at is a group of compounds that are organofluorine compounds. Now, many of you 
will have heard of organochlorine compounds. These are halogenated organic compounds, so they're bound to carbon, and they persist. Um, and you know, you, you will have probably heard of DDT and um, cyclodyne organochlorines like um, aldrin and dieldrin and chlordane, heptachlor. These things were found historically widely used, say, for, for termite, for white ant control, um, widely used in, in parts of agriculture. And it was people like um, Robert Van den Bosch in the U United States following in the steps of um, Rachel Carson who drew attention to these compounds that got them phased out in agriculture. We still to this day face the vestige of that decades of, of usage of these compounds. Now, yeah, while now all these, of that Robert, was... These, these compounds that we're talking about, they're not designed to uh, act as pesticides uh, as some of these previous compounds that you've referenced. Um, you know, I remember when we became aware that nonstick cookware wasn't so great for you, this whole thing about Teflon. And it, are PFASs or PFASs, uh, an offshoot of this uh, yeah. original so, so, Teflon controversy. Yeah. So, so the reason why I'm just taking you through this background of organochlorines to organofluorines is that exactly Teflon is the most famous example of one of the first um, uh, PFAS compounds. So when we say PFAS, P-F-A-S, we're talking about poly and perfluoroalkyl substances. Now, these substances have one common relationship. You have carbon and fluorine bonds in there. Instead of the carbon and chlorine bonds, you have an organochlorine, carbon and fluorine bonds. And um, many of you, you know, may have heard when the whole Teflon health issue was first raised, if you had a, a canary or a budgery guard, in your kitchen while you were using a teflon coated pan you might be pretty shocked to find that your budgery gar or, or canary would have fallen off its perch such as the toxicity wow, so-called canary in the coal mine exactly effect. exactly wow so so while all of that was happening i mean uh dupont were were throwing vast amounts of contaminated PFAS, PFAS, into um, water systems, contaminating um, aquifers. And of course, the the case of, of Parkersburg that, that ended up with a class action and the C8 study group um, has now associated a whole range of cancers and thyroid conditions to um, increased exposure. Now, the other thing that's been happening is that when you look at, at say, uh, Teflon as, as one example, is what is now known is, is, of course, industry has been very busy using PFAS compounds in a very wide range of uses. So if you look at the kind of um, coated papers that you get in fast food wrappers, or you look at the um, covering so, so that you the, have the cheese on the pizza doesn't stick to the box that kind of thing correct exactly it's in the pizza boxes it's it's in your motor car to stop you know when you spill some some drinks in your motor car 
that it'll be a waterproofing compound used there. It's often on your um, waterproofing compounds that, that are used in, in any um, item of, of clothing. It's also very widely used in the automotive and, and aeronautical industry and lubricants as we see this shift away from fossil fuels and to synthetic fuels. PFAS are widely used in these um, synthetic fuels. So they, they basically um, deliver a very powerful um, block to, to oils and to water which makes them so so widely used. But it, it turns out it's a, it's a group of over 10,000, probably closer to 12,000 different compounds, of which over 250 of them are in incredibly common use. And they are even, dare I say, on the Biden administration's, um, you know, list of things to do. So, you know, the White House has, has determined in order to maintain its um, green credentials, it says, in quotes, it's going to take significant action to accelerate efforts efforts to prevent PFAS release and expand PFAS cleanup and remediation to safeguard human health and protect the environment. Now, they say that once we know that pretty much 100% of Americans have detectable levels of PFAS in their bloodstreams, and, and now we need to turn our sights to the FDA that manages food and drugs, and listen to what they're saying. And that's what we've taken specific action on because the FDA has said, guys, you only got to worry about seafood and a few meats here and there. You know, otherwise your plant foods, the rest of it, the stuff you should be eating that should form the majority of your diet is totally uncontaminated. Essentially so we, what they're saying, and FDA does this with a lot of things, they say, well, you know, sure it's toxic in high amounts, but the small amounts that we're going to be getting, you know, through eating ordinary food, uh, not such a big deal. You know, maybe, you know, they have issued warnings about seafood for other reasons, you know, lake fish, for example, freshwater fish uh, contaminated with other things, uh, potentially uh, mercury. Uh, so, you know, limit your intake if you're a pregnant woman, that kind of thing. Certain areas, there are advisories about drinking water. Uh, but basically what they're saying is, uh, you know, it's not time to crack down on this. I, am I well, saying that up correctly? It, it not, not really, if I can say that to our, our dear president. But um, in essence, they're saying there is no detectable problem. They, okay. they recognize this is following the science that's closer to the science of xenoestrogens, which is basically showing as soon as you get to detectable levels, and I've just mentioned that there are probably 12,000 different PFAS compounds out there, of which over 250 are commonly used. The FDA has only validated analytical tests for 30. In Europe, they're already testing for double that amount. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and in, in essence, what they've done through the total diet study is that they've been sampling all sorts of foods, processed foods, unprocessed foods. And they've said there is no problem, zero problem okay. in in the majority of foods other than seafood. So um, the EPA, on the other hand, this is when the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, are saying, goodness me, we do have a problem. Um, and we have a problem in drinking water, but they are focusing largely on drinking water. And as of March this year, They've just proposed incredibly low levels, new levels for drinking water. 
and our suspicion we're going to get there but our suspicion is actually in many parts of the country municipal water won't be able to achieve those levels um and of course the the ft because you know the fda has also been running the nhane studies so they've been taking blood samples and they showed from 2011 significant numbers of americans contained um measurable pfas when they were basically only measuring two of them you and know in the news this uh, last week uh news of a i believe is a 17 billion dollar settlement uh that is on the order of settlements by the tobacco industry uh and by uh, the makers of addictive drugs uh to remediate the problem in water it's not food it's about water the waterway contamination uh, that uh, uh, companies uh, making this, I'm not sure, I guess it's 3M. Is it 3M? Yeah, 3, 3, 3M and DuPont have been the, the biggest players here. Absolutely. So they're going to they're kick in. So they were acknowledging $17 billion to remediate. This money goes to the states, the municipalities, to remediate contaminated waterways. So there's an admission that PFAS is bad for you. But on the food side, we're lagging behind, Right. Correct. So the the our, our view is that what the agencies are trying to do is divert the attention to create an environmental problem and say, hey, don't worry, we've got this one covered. We're going to do lots of cleanup um, and um, your food supply is still great. At the same time, never getting close to answering the question how come so many Americans, we, we, that, you know, it, it, it was 97%. It's now pretty much 100% of Americans have got PFAS running around the system. Now, we've got to ask ourselves the question, how did it get there? And it can only get there in a small number of ways, oral exposure, dermal exposure, or inhalation, basic premises of toxicology. Um, so we, we know inhalation is a big problem if you work in a PFAS factory at DuPont or 3M, but it's not going to be a big issue for the rest of us um, living in cities, towns, or out in rural areas. So we've yeah, then got to say- Like a workers' comp, an OSHA kind of thing, you know, Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Right. You know, it's like uh, folks who worked in battery factories were exposed to lead, but then you ordinary populace to a far lesser extent, although it is out in the environment. Co correct. So, so then we got to we got to look at is it is it our drinking water supply, is it our food, or is it both? Now we're pretty convinced that it is both, and it's not just the drinking water in isolated areas around aquifers that we know have been subject to contamination, deliberate and illegal dumping of PFAS contaminated contaminated effluent into. Um, waterways, which and is that's the object of that 3M, uh, the lawsuit against the pond and 3M is they, they need Correct. to clean up the waterways. Okay. And, 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 and we're not saying that isn't a problem. Of course, they got to do that. But we're trying to suggest here that there may be a much, much wider problem because that would explain the contamination that we're seeing through the TDS, the total diet studies. Um, and interesting that the total diet studies were done quite intensively or published between 2019 and 2021, then they stop. And, um, and of course, we see a very significant increase in PFAS to, to, to pretty much 100% of Americans being contaminated. We see that the FDA is moving forward 
in terms of validating more different kinds of PFAS, but still in the May 2023 update that they have published on, on the FDA website saying, don't worry about it. It's still only seafood. And um, so what we decided to do is say, right, let's test this hypothesis. One of the things that a small organization like us can do is act as a watchdog organization, and we can do spot checks and testing. Testing um, for PFAS is not a cheap thing to do. So what we decided to do is to say, right, let's go to four different states where um, different um, members of our team reside, let them go to their local supermarket and purchase a sample of organic kale and a sample of conventionally grown kale. We will then send that to an FDA validated lab, in this case, Eurofins. In okay, and a, you know, kale being the archetypal healthy food. I mean, this is what uh, we correct. encourage people to eat if we want them to maintain optimal wellness. So it's not like you chose, you know, Oscar Mayer wieners uh, no. or, you know, some, uh, you know, uh, Velveeta cheese, you know, which is a, you know, ultra processed food. You chose something that's you know, supposedly pristine, healthy, full of vitamins and minerals and so on. Exactly. But we also know that it's fairly heavily irrigated on the whole. Quite a lot of it is also grown hydroponically. So it involves a lot of water. And for a vegetable that isn't a legume, um, you know, in, in the bean family, it, it has a, a significant protein content. And the, the thing we know about these organofluorine compounds, these PFAS compounds, they have an affinity for protein. So, um, so we had, you know, it was going to be a pretty decent model, uh, example to look at. And we went to four different states, one vegetable. And to be honest, we thought we might get our, our, our hypothesis was that we, we were going out really to test the, um, the, the null hypothesis that, that, um, the FDA is giving us that if we went to four states and tested kale, we should get zero. We we already especially organic. I mean, organic is, is somehow the so, seal of uh, purity, uh, lack of adulteration with uh, environmental chemicals and pesticides and herbicides. Uh, right. And surely uh, there are a lot of people out there who are reliant on uh, fresh organic produce, uh, but they may be in a fool's paradise, according to this. Well, yeah. So uh, as a result, we what we were absolutely shocked to find is not just very low trace levels, but significant levels um, between 100 and 250 parts per trillion in all of the organic samples and um, three out of four of the conventionally um, grown samples. So, you know, th that indicated to us that almost certainly there is a much bigger problem. And of course, we we made sure that the samples were sent to Eurofins in, in PFAS free specimen bags that we actually got from Eurofins. We used an FDA validated lab with an FDA validated test. So we're very confident of the results. And, and interestingly, when you look at the 
the the other sort of uh, metric we were attempting to to challenge is that we chose eight samples of kale which is double the number of samples of kale that the FDA had looked at in all of its published TDS tests between 2019-2021 so to to find that pretty much close to 90% of the samples we tested had very significant levels in it was enough for us to start shaking the tree and to launch a national um campaign in the US um, and, and Rob I'm I'm looking here at an article in the New York Post uh which is you know a local paper but it it really uh, has a national uh, outreach uh, especially after its uh, exclusive report on the Hunter Biden uh, laptop, where initially uh, the post was censored because the powers that be said, nah, it's not true. Uh, those reports are not reliable. Uh, you know, perhaps uh, by analogy, uh, the FDA and the EPA are saying no problem here. But the post, uh, based on our report, uh, and they quote you here, uh, it says here, this was a bit of a shocking finding. Uh, according to Robert Kirk, founder of the Alliance for Natural Health, uh, a new survey of kale samples taken from several U.S. grocery stores found that seven out of eight samples had, quote, disturbing levels of per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances. So uh, that's in The Guardian, which is uh, your version of the New York Times. I think it's easily equated. Uh, and it's making its rounds of the conventional press. So, uh, you know, this, is, this campaign is having an impact. Exactly. I mean, the, look, the, the, and the, the bottom line is that we, we need to really do more testing. We need to f- encourage others to do more testing. Um, you know, we don't want to say at this stage uh, the FDA is lying, but we have to say it's looking very much like that they are very dramatically misrepresenting what is going on in the food supply, considering they, they are responsible for the NHANES data themselves. And they are not going, getting even close to the kind of diligence that you would expect to really get on top of this problem. Um, and, and it may be because politically saying, guys, we've left our run so late that the entire food and drinking water system is contaminated with these PFAS chemicals. They can't politically cope with dealing with that particular problem. Right. So they're moving, in effect, they're moving the goalposts to, you know, the, the safety zone on these substances. But Rob, you know, people are asking themselves, you know, so, okay, so what is so bad about these trace amounts? Because, you know, we're all, you know, we breathe the toxic air, you know, the, the, here in the United States, we're inhaling uh, fumes from burning forest fires in Canada. So what, what you're the biologist, uh, what are some of the harms associated with PFAS uh, exposure? Uh, even at relatively low levels. So as the EPA is saying, it's appearing increasingly, there's a huge emerging literature looking at the health and environmental effects of of PFAS. And and because they are so widely distributed and they're present in the bodies of of pretty much everyone, particularly in the Western world, but they also have been found now in the bodies of polar bears, so they're almost ubiquitous, they are omnipresent, um, is... You know, fluorine is an incredibly reactive halogen. And what appear, what it appears to do is react wherever it is. And I mentioned earlier, it's got an affinity to proteins. And uh, so unlike the organochlorine compounds that have an affinity to fat, 
and and they largely get stored in the fat so you can if you want to find out how what what a lifetime exposure has been you can take a fat biopsy and analyze that these are much more difficult because they're running around in the bloodstream with this affinity to proteins but proteins are also the key communication molecules mm-hmm. that the body uses so they have this very diverse range of effects the ones that are now looking really solid are particular forms of of cancer um such as thyroid cancer for example but um we're fairly convinced that as the data moves on there may you know finding causation with with a complex group of compounds like this we're not looking at just ddt and it's you know metabolites we're looking at this huge cluster of chemicals that are everywhere so it's almost impossible to get a control group together but it may be that they are part of this process in which we're seeing you know a gradual increase in a very wide range of endocrine related autoimmune autoimmunity is a big area where where um the emerging science is suggesting a problem as well as cancers um we also know right from the beginning the C8 study group um determined that there is a problem with uh immune suppression and they characterized this as very much as a big problem because it meant that childhood vaccines would be less effective but of course any suppression of the immune system has implications that go way beyond just the impact on childhood vaccines clearly and with the uh, impact on proteins uh, could there be uh, impacts on neurodegenerative disease is is there yeah. an impact Again, on dna expression because that's literally I, i'd see uh, the D- code of life yeah dna related impacts is probably um going to be one of the next areas you you, you got to again appreciate this this issue has not really blown up until the early noughties um and the research has really not been scaled up significantly until really the last few years and of course trying to um get the right kind of funding from the right people the chemical industry is certainly not going to be a likely funder uh, dupont and 3m i don't think are going to be dipping deep into their pockets for this so um th- look the positive thing is it is absolutely now on the government agenda um the epa is the agency that could call for a ban we're seeing in europe for example um a move by the ECHA the 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 chemicals regulator in europe um to have an outright ban by 2026 which is about as quickly as you could move the needle if you want to ban you know a, a group of some 10,000 or so uh, chemicals that have very very broad uh, industrial use what we're suggesting is that the approach that the US government and the US agencies are taking and they let's face it they have left an awful lot to the states the states have been doing their their own thing some of them have been really moving forward quickly particularly when they've had you know massive class actions I, on I think the California just banned uh, PF uh, PFAS uh, astroturf you know yes. that was a, a component of astroturf so like you know California exactly. always sort of in the vanguard of environmental exactly uh, action but it, but it, look it's a, it's a complicated issue in in many respects when you deal with the FDA because the 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 FDA 
has has for so long when you look at natural health you know been been overreaching around particularly dietary supplement issues and now we're saying guys you got to do more here you know uh and the, and the epa obviously um have have taken specific action on drinking water but they're not necessarily involved with with, with, with food so we need to see more joined up work that actually um benefits the public not just the producers or the politicians okay so uh, listeners know that we divide our podcast into two parts in part two i want to talk about uh what we can do it, it's an action alert we want to engage the public if you want to find out more uh go to anh-usa.org and we'll give you a specific link to a campaign on PFAS so that you can make your voices heard. Uh, the URL for that is banpfas.org. Is that correct, Rob? It is banpfas.org, yeah. Okay, and we'll explain more about what that entails because we want to engage uh, the public, uh, our membership of ANH, but we also want to engage the, publish, the public at large because this is an important campaign. Uh, Part two, we'll talk solutions because uh, it's not all gloom and doom. It's a problem that we can tackle. Uh, we just need uh, to focus on the issue and bring the right determination to the fore to get the powers that be to roll back on this uh, toxic burden. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.